Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 86 of the Ortho Eval Pal podcast. I am your host, Paul Marquis, and today we are going to be talking about how to treat hip osteoarthritis. Now, last episode, we talked about the most common signs and symptoms of osteoarthritis of the hip. Um, today, we're going to talk about you know several approaches to treating the osteoarthritic hip uh, and how we're going to manage it. But before we do that, I'd like to just take a moment to hear for a word from our sponsors, uh, Easy Glider Socks. So we'll be right back. Hello and welcome back, everybody. So we're going to talk about, you know, hip osteoarthritis today and how to treat it. Now, the interesting thing about uh, OA of the hip is that you can see people come in who have this, you know, have all the signs and symptoms we talked about in last episode and have very, very minimal signs by x-ray that they have osteoarthritis of the hips, but they may have very severe discomfort. Or you can see somebody who has a very, very severe looking um, x-ray with severe arthritis, loss of you know cartilage, and no joint space left, and they have very minimal discomfort. Maybe they uh, they present with limited range of motion. They have a hard time bending over, but it seems like that the function can be more limited than the pain. Um, so we see to both extremes, uh, and, and so that can be very interesting as far as you know, how to diagnose and, and how to treat these things. Um, you know, what, what is the best diagnostic tool for hip osteoarthritis? Well, in my opinion, it's the x-ray. Uh, and it doesn't require an MRI. You don't require other diagnostic imaging. Um, the x-ray is really the uh, number one way to uh, look for this. And then, um, you know, it's, it's important to get that x-ray. If you're suspicious that a patient comes in and has some of the signs and symptoms of OA of the hip, it's important that you get that x-ray. You want to make sure they don't have, um, you know, something else like a vascular necrosis, which could lead to some pretty severe issues if, um, you know, the, the head and the neck would uh, fracture, you know, uh, unsuspectedly. And, and uh, that can be uh, quite devastating to a patient. Um, the other thing you need to keep uh, an eye on and, and remember in the back of your mind, if you see somebody who comes in with a negative x-ray, they have good joint space and everything looks, you know, fine. The, 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 there aren't a lot of spurs but they have this limited range of motion in all positions. You need to be uh, thinking about adhesive capsulitis of the hip. Now, we see it often in the shoulder, but it does occur in the hip, and I have seen this. And these are the people that you can stretch, that you can take into hip flexion, adduction, and internal and external rotation, and stretch that capsule, um, and uh, they'll do well, okay, over time. So, um, But they are very rare, so make sure you keep that in the back of your head. So... Let's talk about treatment. Let's start with the most conservative treatment and then uh, get into what we would consider is um, a little more aggressive uh, treatment for osteoarthritis of the hip. So, you know, physical therapy is is one of the most common um, treatments that you would start with. You know, you want to take a load off of that hip joint, okay? Anything that causes a lot of impact to the hip will cause some irritation, just like it would an osteoarthritic knee or an osteoarthritic ankle. So trying to decrease that closed chain activity um, and, and just not hit a lot of impact. So vibratory activities when standing or running um, can cause some irritation to that hip. So we try to avoid that. One of the things that I see is... A lot of people come in with low back pain and maybe they've gone to therapy elsewhere and uh, they've done a lot of needed chest stretches and diagonal needed chest stretches trying to stretch the piriformis and uh, maybe some adduction type activities. These are all the types of things that would cause more irritation to an osteoarthritic hip. So you really want to try to avoid aggressive hip flexion, adduction and, and hip internal rotation. 
external rotation is usually a little better tolerated, but you don't want to push that too hard either. Um, so what you want to do is um, you want to make sure that you start to try to do some axial traction, okay? That can give the patient some comfort. And if it's an osteoarthritic hip, almost all of them will say, that feels so much better. So what I do is I have them lay on their back. I lift their leg about 30 degrees. I abduct them about 15 to 20 degrees. And I just grab a hold of the ankle and I give a nice gentle pull and stretch. And you can just see the look in their face, you know, the, the look of relief, less pain, and uh, they're much more comfortable. And most people who have OA of the hip will say they have a lot of relief when uh, when we do that. So I may just do that to start with, okay? Give them a little bit of axial traction. It helps to relax the surrounding muscles. Next thing I do, I like to stretch the hip flexors because one of the things you'll notice with people with OA is that they have significant difficulty getting the hip into extension. So if I were to say that there was a fourth um, sign of hip osteoarthritis. Last time we talked about three. If there was a fourth one, it would be lack of hip extension with ambulation. The leg doesn't go behind the body very well. So what happens is the pelvis on that side pitches forward when you go into terminal stance phase of gait, only because the hip is just so tight. And so what I like to do is stretch that hip flexor out a little bit and allow the leg to go back. And I want to try to minimize the restriction from the soft tissue structures. Um, Sometimes there's bony restriction, but if there's a little bit of soft tissue, this will help take some pressure, especially off of the back. Many people who come in with oil of the hip complain of back pain, SI joint discomfort. Um, And that's not uncommon because their gait is significantly altered uh, because of this. I really like to strengthen the hip extensors and the abductors, okay? So the glute max, glute meds, um, really like to work on, um, you know, getting those strengthened up. They give a lot of stability, especially when you're weight-bearing and you take that initial um, step or that heel contact. Um, those muscles have to activate, stabilize the hip, and uh, we have really good uh, success with uh, treating those. I like to do stationary cycling with people with um, hip osteoarthritis, but what I do not like to do is use a recumbent bike. The recumbent bike forces the hip into too much flexion, causes a lot of pinching in the anterior hip. So I like to do regular stationary cycling. Um, usually try to get that seat as high as possible so they're not pinching at the higher end of the stroke. And if they can't tolerate that, then um, you can uh, use, a, like we have a, a cycle, it's made by Matrix, and on it has a modified crank pedal. And so you can shorten up that pedal, bring it closer to the center of the crank. So the diameter of the uh, Um, the pedaling motion is not so high. And therefore, the hip doesn't uh, go into flexion as much. This pumping action uh, really seems to give people some relief. You can get some cardio this way. um, And uh, it really helps to activate everything in the leg. So I like to do that. Another great form of therapy for hip osteoarthritis is pool therapy. We don't actively do pool therapy, but if you do have access to one, um, we strongly encourage it with any of the uh, arthritic conditions um, just because that pressure of the water um, helps you know with the buoyancy it helps take that impact of walking off and then you can strengthen the muscle groups around the hip in multiple planes because of the turbulence of the water so um, I'm really a big advocate of, of pool therapy something else that I like to do is 
optimize quadriceps strength. Now, we, we know that when the quad is not functioning well, the leg will kind of waver a little bit medially or laterally at the hip. And so we try to, I, almost all of my patients are placed on some quadriceps strengthening exercises, um, sometimes in the closed chain, but not a lot of like heavy squats and, and weight bearing. We'll probably do some, um, you know, like shuttle presses where we can decrease that weight, but increase the repetitions. And we can also modify the angle a little bit so it works out better for the patient. Um, and then core strengthening. I'm huge on core strengthening. I think that really helps. You know, the, the old saying, proximal stability equals distal mobility. And um, if you uh, optimize the uh, core stability, the hip will function better. And things like walking, getting up out of a seated position, all those things become a little bit easier. So so let's say that you've, you've done a lot of this um, manual therapy and you've done a, a lot of exercise and strengthening around the hip and patients still having a lot of discomfort. A cortisone injection can be very helpful. Uh, an intra-articular injection, it's important that this is guided um, because um, you can oftentimes miss the area. And then you bathe the inside of that joint with a corticosteroid. And and this can be very helpful, especially, you know, let's say that the patient um, cannot get to a physician to have a hip replacement for six months is the soonest they can get them in. And they're dead set on seeing that uh, provider. Um, getting an injection done right away can help them decrease their pain, number one, but more importantly, help keep their function up, okay? And um, I know this happened to my father, and he received, uh, he was like eight months waiting for surgery. Um, he received two injections, did very well through that time, but, you know, when it was surgery time, it was surgery time. Um, and almost everybody who has uh, surgery of the hip, um, they always say, I don't know why I didn't do this earlier. Uh, that's quite a common, um, you know, statement that people will make. So, um, you you know, you do the injection and that, that buys you a little bit of time, but typically, you know, that just treats a symptom and not a cause. And uh, then ultimately, you know, surgery uh, may be inevitable for some people. And that means, uh, you know, you can have a couple different approaches depending on um, your status and habitus and uh, preference by the physician. There's the posterolateral and anterolateral approach. And um, really, they, they vary um, for several reasons. Um but typically, uh, if your problem is an isolated OA of the hip and uh, surgery is inevitable, you have the surgery, you start to increase your activity level right away, and uh, people generally do really well with these. So, um, But, you know, it's it, there's nothing wrong with uh, doing the conservative course first, especially if your patient's a little bit on the younger side. You really uh, don't want to rush them into surgery because uh, you only have so many years on a hip, and uh, depending on your activity level, if you're really, really active, you can burn those out a little bit faster. So... Um, that's our talk today on uh, treating hip osteoarthritis. If you have any questions, uh, contact me at www.orthoevalpal.com and um, go to our Get in Touch page. Go ahead and uh, leave us a message and I'd be more than happy to try to get back to you. I also am going to throw in a couple of videos of some hip arthritis patients um, that we have uh, seen and what the common uh, signs and symptoms are. Make sure you check out our how-to videos on our uh, YouTube page. And um, soon enough here, we're going to be uh, attempting to do some webinars and uh, maybe even some online classes. So uh, make sure you stay tuned to Ortho Valpal. And again, folks, thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your time. Take care.